Hello, 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 and welcome back to the More Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse, and this is episode 360. And I'm so excited to have my next guest on the show. I know you're going to love it. I've never done an episode about this topic, surprisingly. So when I met Basola Tajani, um, and I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment, um, I knew I needed to have her on the show because it's crazy that I haven't had an episode about this. You think with this many years and this many episodes, I would have touched everything? Apparently not, but that's also kind of the beauty of, you know, personal finance or just kind of this kind of sphere. You never run out of things to talk about. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, because this is my career. So I don't want to run out of things to talk about. Um, So I met Basola back in, um, I guess, November, December. We were both part of this YouTube accelerator program for kind of budding YouTubers, which is why I was part of it, which I found so flattering that I was, you know, you know, someone saw something in my little YouTube channel. Um, And we just kind of learned some of the ins and outs of uh, being a YouTuber and how to grow on the platform. Well, I really connected with Basola not only because she does work as a business analyst in the financial industry as her day job, so we kind of connected uh, on that and can talk about money stuff. But you know, she talks a lot about money on her own YouTube channel, but also um, her immigration story and being a newcomer to Canada specifically. And just she shares a lot of great advice and tips for new uh, immigrants who just, you know, don't know where to start. Like, it's very intimidating. And I asked her on the show, like, how did she also know what to do when she got to Canada? And she, you know, looked at lots of uh, resources like YouTube and stuff to help her. And so um, because she made the the big, bold move and she's, you know, in her 20s still, and I can't even imagine, I mean, no, I can't imagine doing that. The only thing I kind of reference in the episode is I've been able to move provinces from BC to Ontario. And that was a big, big change in my life. I can't imagine, uh, you know, moving to a different country. And so she's originally from Nigeria. She made the move by herself to Canada and now is thriving. And so I wanted to have her on the show for anyone who is thinking of moving to Canada or recently has and still feels really overwhelmed and still has some questions, we go through it all. So hopefully you can uh, feel a little bit uh, better and realize, guess what? You're going to get through it. Everything's going to be just fine. Everything's going to be fine. Um, So let's get to that interview with Basola. Also, just to mention this, listen at the end. I want to share a little life update, but also um, I'm doing an event, a virtual event that you can attend. So make sure to listen to the end. But without further ado, let's get to that interview with Basola. Welcome to the More Money Podcast, Basola. I'm so excited to have you on the show to talk about a, a a topic. Honestly, I don't think I've really I've never done a full on episode about it. So I and it's necessary because um, I mean, how there's I, I don't know what the stats are. I probably should have looked this up before I hit record. But there's a ton of new people coming to Canada every single year and starting their new lives and. I can I can only imagine how intimidating that is. Like I found it very intimidating moving from British Columbia to Ontario, same country, but it was like you know there's different pro- provincial rules and stuff like that. It was like kind of scary. I'm like, oh, wait, there's a different health card and da 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 da. Um, moving to a different country that seems wild to me. And this is something that you did. Do you want to kind of share a little bit more about your experience moving to Canada? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much, Jessica. I'm happy to be here. Um, Definitely very intimidating and stressful mentally. Um, I moved to Canada at the age of 23 by myself. I've literally never lived abroad. I had no friends or family in Canada. I just woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm tired of my home country. Time to start researching on somewhere new. And I found about Canada 
did some research, started to apply for my PR process. And luckily for me, I was eligible to apply for permanent residency from Nigeria, which is my home country. And I just applied right away. I got it after a couple of months and it was time to make the big move. <laughs> Packed my bags and moved to Canada. And I got here and I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? Yeah, especially when it's your like first winter. I'm sure that was exactly. a shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what did I just do? Oh, no. Okay, so where do I start from? And um, it was really stressful mentally, but thankfully the government has like a lot of programs in place that helps you integrate smoothly. And I was able to take advantage of some of those programs. And um, I also tried my best to try to interact with people online living in Canada already before moving here. So that definitely made my transition much smoother. So I'm curious, since you did your research about, you know, uh, moving to Canada, that was ultimately your decision. Were you looking at, you know, the United States, the UK and what made you choose Canada? Definitely. I had like options between the U.S., and Canada. Um, If I had chosen the US, I would have had to go there as a student to get my master's degree. Mm. But if I was going to choose Canada, then I would become a permanent resident right away. So um, at that time, going back to school was really not a priority for me. Um, I was already working. I had like my professional qualifications. I was already making money. Then going back to school when it's not like I'm really, really an academic person, I just figured going back to the U.S. to school would just be a waste of my time and waste of money. And in the U.S., it's like you're not sure about your residency even right after school. So it just it was literally a no-brainer to choose the U.S. So Canada, it was for me. Yeah, right on. So walk me through, yeah, kind of what were your first steps once you you made that decision? How much preparation did you have to do um, before you, you know, bought your plane ticket and made the move? Was there quite a bit of work you had to do before you could, you know, yeah, get here? Definitely. To even be eligible for the program, there you have to like put certain things in place, like getting your credential assessment done. So that would be you converting your foreign education into Canadian standards. So they look at your education and see if it's equivalent to what they have in Canada. And once that is done, you would also need to write the um, English language test, which is IELTS that I did, just to prove that, yes, you can speak English, you can communicate in English and whatnot. Then once that is done, you put in an application. Then once your application is approved, then you start to prepare. So like leaving to go to Canada, you have to start with things like getting ready for the job market because the job market in Canada is totally different from how we have it back home. We use things like LinkedIn, but it's pretty much just LinkedIn. And our resume style is totally different. So I was able to work with um, some some of the government program experts to like help me with my resume, help me with my LinkedIn writing cover letters. There were like different trainings that I participated in that helped me get ready for the labor market or job market in Canada. Then also after doing that, you have to resign from your current workplace, get your documents ready and like like let your family know that, okay, this -hmm. is the final goodbyes. Mm -hmm. I'm about to leave just a few weeks time. And when I remember telling my dad, Dad, I'm leaving to Canada like in two months. I got my residency approved. He had sleepless night the whole time. It's like, Aww. I'm your, like, you're my first daughter. How are you yeah. leaving? Like, you're leaving, leaving. Then he had to ask, how long is your visa for? I said, it's not like a visa with duration. I'm leaving permanently. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. 
know what I'm saying? He, he had sleepless night the whole time. Woke up the next morning asking me if I'm really sure about his decision and all that because it's not really something anyone in my family has done. And I'm also the first child. So making that big move is literally a very bold move. And for a female, a 23-year-old coming from this kind of household, it's like very, very rare. So he asked me if I was really sure, but I've always been someone that makes a decision. And when I look left and right, I try to do my analysis. I just go for it and decide, okay, I think the risk mm-hmm. is worth taking. Yeah. And that was it for me. But even when I was ready to leave, I had it at the back of my mind that just in case Canada doesn't turn out to be what I expect for it to be, I can always come back home. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I I, I mean, again, not really the same because it was just provinces, but I'm like, we'll give it a year in Ontario and if we hate it, we'll just move back. So that's, yeah, that's always an option. Um, You mentioned that there was a couple of programs that you... um you know, took advantage of when you moved here, some government programs to help you get um, settled. What were some of those programs and what did they offer? Um, there is a new commerce program for employment. There is also access employment. Access employment was the one I eventually used because they work with you based on the province you are planning to relocate to. And access employment was the one for Ontario. Mm, okay, awesome. Yeah. I, and was all that fairly easy to find information about? Was it just like doing some Googling, looking on the Canada website? Yes, yes. So right after when the um, my application was approved, the next few emails that you'll be getting, we'd be letting you know about like things you need to do to prepare for your move. So in that email, they will have like links to a lot of resources and it will be up to you to choose which one to sign up for and which one you think you'd benefit from. So for me, in that email, I just made sure to select the employment one because obviously I'm moving as a resident and coming to work here would be the most important thing to me. There were other things like um, getting your health card, getting a family doctor and all that. I didn't really prioritize getting a family doctor because, I don't know, I just feel like I have good health. But if um, you were a family person with kids, of course, that would be very important for you to prioritize. So all of those informations was in the email that you received after your application oh, is approved. Yeah. Oh, great. That yeah, that sounds a a lot more helpful. But I I'm sure too. Um, I'm curious, what was your experience like getting your first place? Because even yeah, moving here, it was and and me and my husband we moved to Toronto after quitting both of our jobs. So we were both unemployed and looking for a place, and we had to get my dad to co-sign our rental apartment in order to like get it. What was your experience like finding a place of your own when you moved here? Was it difficult? Yeah. Yeah, it was for sure. So um. When I, on my move day, for sure, I had planned to stay in an Airbnb, which is something most people do not explore. For sometimes, most people, when they move to Canada, they are looking to rent an apartment right away from their home country. But for me, I wanted to make sure to see the place first and be sure of even what city I would be residing in. So I just booked an Airbnb for like a month. And I felt like having a month would give me enough time to decide what city to stay in. And... um, when I eventually landed looking out for places, I offered to pay my first and last month's rent and I decided to just downsize. I went for a room in the house where they were sharing different room. And um, that was it for me. That was very easy compared to if I was looking to get like an apartment because obviously I wouldn't have a credit score. I wouldn't have a job offer yet. I wouldn't have all of those things that would be required. So I just decided to go for like a short-term rental for six months and it was also furnished so i didn't need to buy furnitures or figure out all of that 
Oh, that's great. No, that's that's super helpful. And then I guess the other things that you have to besides, you know, shelter, obviously, and, and of course, you're then, you know, trying to set up um, finding employment. But the other kind of things on the more personal finance side is, you know, setting up uh, you know, your, your financial life, your your bank accounts, your credit cards, you know, trying to build that credit score from zero. What was that experience like? So, um, because I'm a finance person and I do yeah. enjoy those things, <laughs> before coming here, I decided to study the finance lifestyle in Canada because it's totally different from what I'm used to back home. We don't have things like credit card or credit score. It's not something that's very popular oh, there. Wow. So, prior to moving, um, in that same email that we get from the government services, you would see information regarding banking, you see information regarding credit cards. So I just explored some of those resources that was provided. And I also did my own personal research regarding banks in Canada. And at that time, RBC was offering um, free banking for one year for newcomers uh, without fees. And they were going to give like credit card um, with like a credit limit of, I think, 1500 so that seemed like, okay, yeah, this sounds like a good deal for me. And that was the option that I explored. But if I were to rewrite that situation now, I'd have probably considered um, like banks that has no fees, like no fee banking, because mm-hmm. I think that would be cheaper. Because after the one year, I would be starting to hit me with this charge. Of course they do, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when you are, you know, getting started to setting those things up, that is kind of probably one area you'd probably look into. It's like which bank does have some sort of program for newcomers? I think all the big banks in Canada do. And sometimes I find with lots of those no fee banks, online banks, they're sometimes they require you to already have a bank account elsewhere. So that's that's kind of a, a difficult thing. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you can take advantage of that program for a year. And then at, once you've kind of built up that, um, you know, experience and some credit score, then you can maybe look into a better option before you have to start paying those high fees. Because that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to like get those newcomers in and, you know, hey, it's all free. And then eventually start charging them fees and hopefully, they won't notice and hope that they will like lock in those, you know, uh, customers for life. Exactly. That was what happened to me. Um, once I got in, I got the one year free banking and by the new year, I'd forgotten to yep. follow up with the bank. And for like three months, I was already paying fees. And I one day just looked at my credit card statement, my bank statement. And so, hmm. What is these charges? I had to call to say, okay, I don't understand what these charges are. And they explained to me that, yeah, if you want to waive these fees, you'd have to have two investment accounts with us oh, and geez, do this yeah. and do that. Yeah. So those options were on the table for me, which was what I eventually explored. But at that time, I'd already paid like fees for a couple of months. And that's what these banks want. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm, I'm curious, too. When, you know, after, especially after a year, a lot has changed after, you know, being settled here for a year. At what point, too, were you looking into, okay, now maybe I do want to start, you know, not just having um, some cash in a savings account, but I want to look into my options in terms of investing, like your TFSA, your RSP. When was that kind of uh, available to you or when was that, you know, something that you were thinking about? Yeah, I think that option would have been available right away, but it wasn't something I considered. Um, at the time when I follow up with um, RBC to see why I was getting those fees and they gave me the option of opening an investment account, I got a meeting with one of the financial advisors there to speak about investment options and she educated me on mutual funds and some other 
um, investment options that they had available. At that time, I went for mutual fund, of which right now I know for sure I would have gone for mutual fund. I know, fund but that's what they're always going to sell. Because it's definitely yeah. more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> those things always happen anyway. So um, she was able to sell me into some of the mutual funds. And over time, I started to learn more about using your TFSE account and RRSP. And when should you use what account? At that time, I think I started to use my RRSP even though I was still a low-income earner at that time. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then the financial advisor just said, yeah, just invest in anyone. It's the same thing. It's tax-free. Oh. You just oh. get to invest with mutual funds, this and that. You know, they just sell you into all of these products. Of course, they don't know. They, <laughs> they just want to sell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I feel like that's the the running kind of commentary on this podcast is you just got to be so careful. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's one thing to be, you know, uh, aware and, you know, conscious of uh, the the people at the bank, you know, they're selling products, but especially when you're a newcomer and it's a completely different financial system than when you're coming from, you know, really, how would you know? You're kind of like putting your trust in these people. They're called advisors. They're giving you advice. No, but I mean, I guess that's a learning lesson. (laughs) That was the same thing for me. You know, when I was getting all of those advice from the advisor, I felt like, hmm, this is really nice that this is a free service. Someone telling you about all of these programs, like giving you the details about what this mutual fund entails, like literally everything that you need to know. And I was really impressed. She also talked about like my budgeting, just to let me know, oh, based on your income, how much you should be saving, how much you should be able to, to spend and how much you should be able to spare for investing. So I was like, this is really nice that these banks offers like this kind of yeah. services. I should have used it this whole time. And years later, it made me realize that, okay, she was just trying to sell me into this mutual fund. I know. Well, maybe you got some go good for advice for like the budgeting and stuff like that. But yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like ultimately nothing's for free, is it? No such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious because it kind of sounds like you kind of alluded to, to some things. You're like, oh, I wish I did this differently. What and, and you know, you have an amazing YouTube channel and you talk about a, a lot you. of what we're discussing on there because I'm sure a lot of newcomers are like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've been trying to find the answer and I can't find it. So such a, a breath of fresh air to have someone who's experienced it firsthand and can then be like, this is what you should do, what you shouldn't do. What are some of like the most common mistakes that newcomers to Canada uh, experience or, 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 you know, things that people should be really aware of so you know mistakes to avoid yeah um a couple of mistakes definitely the first thing is to try as much as possible to conserve money on rent Uh especially if you are yet to start earning income you don't want to be the first person to go and rent a high-rise condo an expensive condo downtown toronto when you know you don't have an income for it because these landlords are not here to play once it's first of the month they want to get their check otherwise you're out Mm -hmm. otherwise you're out someone is ready to replace you right away second thing be careful with the car you don't need to buy a brand new car right away give it some time if you're living in canada permanently you have several years to be able to get the fancy car tesla Mm -hmm. your dream vehicle you can (laughs) always get it whenever you're ready you don't have to do it right away because in canada the option of exploring financing options is there for you but when you're back from your home country financing is not really a thing anything you're buying you have to buy it outrightly so now most immigrants come here and they're excited with this oh my gosh i can get a brand new phone i can get a brand new car without paying anything i'll just be paying it in beats for the next 25 years or whatever and they just get into it because they're too excited about it so be careful take your time don't let them sell you into anything you can get a car, just get something that you could pay off with cash. Then after a few years, you can 
buy a brand new car if that's what you want to go for but just give it some time then another advice i would say is try as much as you can to interact with people try to build a community reach out to people connect because it could really get lonely in canada i moved to canada with our family with our friends no keys wow. literally just me so every morning or every night i'm literally staying at that is so thing. bold like i can't okay, so <laughs> what do i do today yeah <laughs> it's really a bold move i know but um now today i look back at that decision i'm like yeah i'm glad i did that i really did that <laughs> yeah when did you when how long have you been here when did you move yeah 2019 i've just applied for oh, my um, citizenship a few months ago in october last oh, that's year awesome. so waiting for my passport yeah and, and with, so within that time frame you came here didn't know anyone and you feel like you have a good sense of how things work and were able to build a community from scratch yes yes i was that's able amazing. to do that there's like um there are different ways to connect with people you can connect on online these days especially because i moved just a few months before covid we had to make sure to explore interacting with people online which i think ended up turning out to be much easier than it would have been if i had to interact with people in person because so where do i meet all of these people if i need to interact with them but Due to COVID, we all we all had to interact virtually and build these relationships. Then when we're allowed to go out, we all met in person. And now it's like you already have a friend group without even realizing that you had one. So that was, that was how I was able to like build connections. And I also take it very intentionally on my part to stay in touch and reach out to people as well. Because sometimes you might have connections, but if you don't reach out or you don't keep in touch, then before you know it, in a few years' time, you no longer have that connection. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. I think that's a good, just a good life lesson making. I've been like, I read a book recently about, you know, friendship and adulthood and how it's different. Um, and a lot of us just don't have those skills or we forget those skills, especially too. if, you, you know, a lot of people, if they just live in their, you know, hometown forever, you've got that built in community, those built in friends. But if you move and you're starting from scratch, it's difficult to, to start. Um, I'm curious, where did you start? Like, how did you find some of those communities? Even if I mean, I can't even imagine that you did this and also then COVID hit. I'm so sorry that you had experienced that. That's wild that you, and you're like, you're like, it all worked out in the end. How did you find some of those communities? Was it just like looking for people that have similar interests than you or like, where'd um, you look online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, I downloaded this app, Meetup. Meetup, oh, yeah, there yeah. are different groups where you can connect with people of similar interests. So I used Meetup quite a lot. I joined like the photography groups, the videography groups, the groups for people in tech, bankers, like all of those groups, I joined them. Some of them, I we actually met in person before the lockdown started. I went for like this photography at Allen Garden in downtown. And it was really nice, met with people, take, took like really nice pictures and stuff. So that was really fun. That was one way I was able to meet people. Then on the WhatsApp, um, I just requested for people that are already in Canada to join some WhatsApp groups. I did that. Then on social media, you just follow people that you see Toronto in their bio. You know, okay, this person lives probably in Toronto or somewhere. You connect with them, follow them on Instagram. Then for the professional side of things, I also checked on LinkedIn. I saw people that had like, um, they had experience and they were working in fields that was of my interest. Then I connected with them. Just have like a nice short custom message that, hey, I'm new in the city. I'm just looking to connect with people in similar industries. I'm looking to participate or join there. That was what I did. And some of them would respond. Most of them would probably not, but some of them would respond and build this connection and just chat once in a while about work, professional space. 
And that was how I did that. And I've gotten quite like up to five people that has connected with me on LinkedIn based on, oh, they're new in Canada. They're just trying to build their connections and connect with people that are in this space. Da, 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 da. So it, just like that, it's really been nice. To- yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure, too, you're able to continue to build your community and get to know people through your YouTube channel because you have, yeah. you know, a pretty, you know, a, a significant following on there. Uh, when did you start that channel? And was it, I mean, it, was it during lockdown or like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started the YouTube channel before moving to Canada, actually, but I didn't take it that much seriously. So when I moved here, I had like literally everything that I needed to like be more serious about my YouTube channel. So um, yeah, I started YouTube before moving to Canada. And what made you want to, I guess, share? Because I know your channel is, you know, a lot of it's information about you know, moving to Canada, but also, you know, you're a personal finance nerd like myself. So you also have lots of videos about taxes and budgeting. What made you want to I guess, kind of also explore those topics. Um, like I said about my chats with the financial advisor, um, I felt like, hmm, some of this information, if I had known, I wouldn't have done this. Yeah. If I had known, I wouldn't have done that. So it's like just putting this information out there for new immigrants to take advantage of. And also considering when I moved here, I didn't see as much information for newcomers regarding getting into finance or understanding how finance and money works in Canada. So I just felt, okay, this is um, like there's a gap for this and there's a need for information regarding newcomers in Canada for setting up their finances, building their investments and all of that. So that made me consider doing it from an immigrant's perspective. Yeah. And I know, I mean, how we met was obviously through a program that was focused on YouTube. Um, I'm curious, what what do you hope to kind of, uh, you know, produce in the future on your channel? Do you want to continue with lots of these topics? Do you want to explore something new? With YouTube, I've been trying a little bit of everything. Um, but in the future, I would still continue to share more finance-related content and lifestyle content. Um, maybe more towards lifestyle than finance. Because I find that my audience for finance are not so like it's not so strong, simply because if Canada is just a country that you're aspiring to be in, then you wouldn't really take it as much seriously to learn about investing in Canada right now. So now I'm just focusing more on content that my audience wants, and maybe in the future I'll start something that will be more of core finance based, mm. and I would enjoy that. I'm, well, I'm curious, like, you know, since this may be in the future that you put more of those kind of more personal finance focused videos out. But is there anything that you, you know, would like to share? Like, you know, you've been here for several years now. You've learned a lot. And, you know, again, it sounds very different than where you're originally from. So what are some of like the, the best kind of, you know, nuggets of personal finance that you've learned that you'd like to share with people listening? Uh, I think one would be to explore ETFs before mutual funds if yep. you were going to invest. Mm-hmm. For sure, mutual funds should be the last thing on your list if you were to consider it. Then to be careful with your investments. Try to do your own personal research for sure. Then another advice would be to try as much as you can to use your credit card, but use it wisely. Do not utilize more than 30% of your credit card limit. That's something that once my brother landed in Canada, that was the first thing I told him that be careful with your credit card. Don't see it as free money because you find that some immigrants, they see it as though because they don't understand it. It's like, okay, so what am I, how am I supposed to use this? You find some people too scared to use it and you find some people that are overusing it. So you have to be 
in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Use your credit cards just so that you can build your credit score. You can get more purchase protection. You can also get like points from it, but do not overutilize it. The utilization rate that I recommend is 30% of your credit card limit. So if you find that you are overutilizing your credit card, just pay it off, then you can have more room for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's probably a really common thing because, I mean, as you've probably recognized, there's so many people that are more than happy to sell you whatever kind of financial product, but they may not actually explain all of the details. Because if you knew all the details, you may not actually buy the product or sign up or, you know, how these credit card companies make money is by people paying, you know, late or paying interest. And so why would they really want to be like, oh, but make sure to use your credit cards responsibly responsibly we're going to put that information in the fine print and or just say it right at the end of the meeting when you've already signed your application or something like that so yeah it is buyer beware like you've just got to be so like that's the unfortunate reality of the situation is you know there's there's so much great information out there and it's never been more accessible like investing in and everything under the sun personal finance but you're still responsible and you still have to learn it and if you make a mistake you're the one who has to pay the consequence unfortunately I think everyone should take some time to educate themselves on the financial system before getting into anything. It's really good to yes. take some time to educate yourself. Then with time, you don't have to rush it. With time, you grow and get to understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, when you were learning about you know, how things were, were different here, any resources or books that were really helpful? Um, there are a lot of resources online. I used YouTube quite a lot. I also used... Um, I signed up to this newsletter, World Awesome or something. I get this newsletter every day and there are usually links to other valuable resources. Then the CRA also has like information, lots yeah. of information that people do not even have idea of. Yeah, no, I know it sounds lame, but yeah, the CRA website is actually pretty good. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I guess the other thing is, if you don't know, because again, when you, you first get here, you may not know where to, to look. I mean, one thing that helped you was connecting with people that were already here to see where should I start? Hey, I don't know where to find these resources and and ask around. That's part of the, the, the real big importance of why community is so vital, because you can't do this alone. And it's already lonely enough. You want to be able it's to get help. When you need, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Um, well, before I, I let you go, Basola, where, where can people find you if they want to follow you on Instagram, on YouTube? Where can <laughs> they find you? Yeah, sure. You can always follow me on Instagram at wees underscore queen. I use the same handle on Instagram and on Twitter. It's W-H-I-Z underscore queen, Q-W-E-N. What what is the name about? I, I'm like Wiz Queen. What's that? What's it from? Or what's it mean? <laughs> oh, so when I was much younger, I used to use Slim Queen. Then growing up, I realized okay, I'm no longer so slim anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Then I had to think of something more creative, and I found that um, you could be a Wiz because you have like very talented. Mm. Yes, you have skills in almost everything. So why not just go for Wiz, like the Wizard? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so like we I love that. <laughs> and I wanted to change the spelling just so the spelling is not like W I Z. Yeah. Added the H just, just, just to do different. something different. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was a pleasure. And I'm going to link to a bunch of, you know, helpful resources that you were able to mention in this episode for anyone who's listening or if anyone knows anyone who is thinking of moving to Canada and they're looking for some guidance. I know you would be a great resource on your YouTube channel. But again, some of the great resources you mentioned, I'll link in the show notes for this episode. But thanks again for joining me. Thank you very much, Jessica, for having me. It was a pleasure.
And that was episode 360 of the More Money Podcast with Basola Tajani. Uh, you can find her on YouTube at youtube.com slash whizqueen. So that's W-H-I-Z queen. And you can also find her on Twitter and Instagram at whiz underscore queen. I will, of course, link to everything. She's also on TikTok um, under at whizqueen. But I will link to everything in the show notes for this episode. Just go jessicamorehouse.com slash three. 360. And if you want to find any episode I've ever done, just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash podcast or jessicamorehouse.com slash the number of that particular episode to find the show notes for that particular episode. Um, so make sure to check her out. Give her a little subscribe or follow and, uh, you know, learn a little something, you know, why not? Okay, so since I mentioned this really uh, quickly at the, the beginning of this episode, if you are interested, so this is what I'm going to be up to next week, and I'm very excited because it's only really happened once for me. Um, I will be flying out to beautiful Montreal next week. I've only ever been flown out to um, a location for kind of a, a speaking engagement once, and the, the first time was very, like... <laughs> I mean, this is the first time, though, that I actually get to stay at a hotel. Um, the last time, or the first time, rather, was back in February 2020, so right before things got crazy and scary. And I feel like even at that time, there was just rumblings of COVID. I was flown out by Desjardins to do this kind of small roundtable um, event that I moderated uh, and hosted. And because I'm originally from Vancouver, I just stayed at my parents. So they saved some money, didn't have to pay for a hotel. I don't know why I didn't ask for a hotel, but I don't know. I was trying to be nice, I guess. Um, and so that was fun. That was the last like event, live event I did for you know years because of COVID. Um, but now I'm uh, going to Montreal um, this week, which is really exciting, to host an event called Invest in You uh, by National Bank. And you can attend. It is free. It is virtual. It is only an hour long and it is taking place on Wednesday, March 22nd at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And it is really, you know, we're talking about a lot of really important themes in my view. We're talking about uh, finances and family, um, inheritances, inflation, and really specifically from the female uh, lens because it's me and a amazing uh, group of guest speakers who are, I mean, I'm telling you, we've, we've done some run-throughs. They're amazing. So you're going to want to attend. I'm going to uh, include a link uh, in the show notes for this episode. But honestly, if you just go to nbc.ca, there's like a, a big banner right on that front page so you can uh, register and attend. So just wanted to put that out there. I'm doing an event. It's virtual and you can attend no matter where you are in the world. Now, as for next week, I've got Houston Loke joining me. He's the Executive Vice President of Market Conduct at the Financial Services Regulatory Authority of Ontario, or FSRA. And I wanted to have him on the show to talk about um, industry regulation. This is something that... I know that sounds maybe super dry, me saying it, but honestly, I got so many questions about how can we trust anyone that works in the industry? Because it seems like they all have their own agendas or they're just selling me stuff. How are these people kept in line and kept in check to to make sure that any bad apples are not, you know, kept within the industry or hidden away. And if there is, you know, something that, you know, happens, how can I make a complaint? How, how can I blow the whistle? How can, 
you know, I make sure that no one experiences that as well. And so that's why I wanted to have Houston on the show. There is regulation in the industry. I don't think it's perfect, but it exists. And we need to talk about how the structure exists within Canada. So I think you're going to enjoy that episode. But that's really it for me. So thank you so much for listening. A big shout out to my podcast editor, Matt Rideout. And I will see you back here for a fresh new episode next Wednesday. Have a good rest of your week. See you soon. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.